Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. If the GOP candidates were NFL teams, who would they be? We make all the assignments and also manage to find someone who loves America's team more than Jerry Jones in the process. Yes, it has been done. And Taylor Swift is being recruited in Kansas City, but not for reasons you might think. Plus, feeling lonely and looking for love? Uh, AI can help with that. Outkick the Morning starts right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into Outkick the Morning. It is Wednesday. We are feeling fine. We are feeling fresh. It is no longer raining after four days in New York City, and I am oh so thankful for that. I am your host, Charlie Arnold, and we have a lot to look forward to because tonight, as we all know, the second GOB debate going down, and it's airing on Fox Business starting 9 p.m. Eastern. A hotly contested game of words with candidates matching wits in an attempt to win an argument while also looking to win over undecided voters. So it got me thinking. What are some of the best football comparisons we can make to these seven candidates who will be on stage tonight? No surprise, Donald Trump has voluntarily bowed out again from this evening's main event, as he should have. But you know what? We're still going to include him. So let's have some fun and compare the candidates to some NFL teams who have made major headlines after three weeks of the regular season. And you know what? While we're at it, we'll give them a little bit of coaching help from all of us here at Outkick the Morning. And we start with... Dun, 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 none other than former President Trump. He would be our Miami Dolphins, the clear top dog just flat out demolishing the competition, just like the Dolphins did to the Broncos last weekend, beating them 70 to 20. Now, something to keep in mind is the Dolphins always seem to be in danger of losing their leader, leader Tua. One more concussion could have him out for the rest of the season, which we all know would be disastrous just like the way Republicans potentially could have Trump knocked out of the job if the corrupt Democrats manage to put him behind bars. But here's the thing. We know Tua is resilient. He has proven that. And Trump, he's the exact same way. I think, I believe in my heart, both of them will be just fine. Now, running in second, a very distant second, I might add, Ron DeSantis. He would be the New York Jets. The Florida governor seemingly had so much promise when his campaign started, just like the Jets did when beginning the season. But all it took, one drive for Aaron Rodgers to go down in the first game and the team's dreams dashed. Similarly to DeSantis's filled Twitter launch, a campaign that from the very first minute has been nothing short of, well, a disaster. On to Vivek Ramaswamy, or as we know him, the Kansas City Chiefs. Just like in the first debate, you already know Vivek is going to be the most talked about candidate on the entire stage, though it's not very hard with this group. We got to throw that in there. Uh, just like the Chiefs, who are now the center of attention because of the new it couple of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, Vivek is sensational. He adds a layer of excitement to the debate stage just as Taylor and Travis have upped the ante for all of the Chiefs fans. And the thing about the Chiefs, you can never count them out. And while I am not saying Vivek is going to become president by any means, he is smart, he's savvy, he's charismatic, and no doubt, I believe he will end up in the White House with some type of position. Now it's on to Nikki Haley. Uh, this comparison is not so flattering. She would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. She's a dark horse candidate that voters 
are starting to pay attention to in some regards. Not a ton, but enough to make her matter more than at least people did in the beginning. That would be similar to the Jags, who came up from the ashes a few seasons ago with the help of Trevor Lawrence, but still have not managed to move the needle quite enough to matter. Haley garnered some extra support during the last debate with her strong response on abortion, but other than that, her campaign, flat. It is obvious both Haley and the Jags have potential, but we're pretty confident in the end, neither is going to deliver. Now there's Tim Scott. He would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because remember, Tim Scott's rebuttal to the State of the Union address back in 2021. He was poised, he was captivating to the point where we all kind of thought to ourselves, does this guy have the potential to be the president of the United States? And it really reminds me of the Bucks that exact same season, 2021, when they signed Tom Brady and instantly catapulted to the top of the NFL with a Super Bowl victory. Unfortunately, Tim Scott, he has faced the same fate as the Bucks, starting at the top, but ever since, fading into irrelevancy. Next up, we are deeming former Vice President Mike Pence to be the Patriots. Could you name a better sports duo than Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Reminds me of Trump and Pence back in their heyday. Though we saw what happened with that relationship. It crumbled, and Belichick, a.k.a. Pence, proved himself to be the bitter half of this couple. At that point, obviously, we all knew what Pence's presidential hopes are. He's still reminiscing on the good old days, low taxes, building a wall, incredible economy, but knowing in his heart that he has no shot at success without Trump, just like Belichick has no shot without Tom Brady. Uh, then there's this guy, Chris Christie. He would be the Broncos. He's the guy that is miserable on stage, constantly whining, taking shots at other candidates, just like the Denver Broncos and their new head coach, Sean Payton. Remember when he slammed Nathaniel Hackett, saying that his coaching was the worst that has ever been seen in the NFL? Yeah, that did not age too well. Uh, just like we all know that Christie's snide remarks on the debate stage will come back to haunt him, as will his sloppy demeanor and horrible political track record, might I add. And then there's Doug Burgum. Well, we didn't even include him in this. We didn't bother assigning him a team because a lot of people don't even realize he's in this race. And I'd say even the worst NFL team at the lowest point of any season drums up more excitement than this man, the North Dakota governor. So how can the candidates learn from the NFL? Well, I have a few suggestions. Most importantly, they have got to appeal to the younger voters, just like the league did with their partnership with Nickelodeon and the inclusion of the Slime Game. They're also doing an upcoming Toy Story game on ABC this year. Listen, you have to give young voters a reason to be interested, and you gotta show them that you're on their side. Otherwise, the Democrats are going to slide in, as they already have been doing, and capitalize by spewing nothing but lies. Here's another suggestion. Expand your base like the NFL has done. They have London games now. They have also partnered with streaming platforms to reach new audiences. They have kick-ass halftime shows, and they are constantly cozying up with music royalty. Candidates, you've gotta be hip, you've gotta be buzzworthy. Your Super Bowl is 14 months away, November 5th, 2024. It's going to be here before you know it, and presumably against our sitting president, Joe Biden, or heaven forbid, we don't even want to think about this. There could be someone worse in the position. Uh, but it should be one of the most lopsided matchups in history if, it's a big if, you play your cards right. Your opponent has given a new meeting to the good old-fashioned dive play as he has literally been stumbling and tripping his way through public appearances. That is when he isn't falling asleep in front of our very own eyes. And Biden, he also gets confused with all of the rookie stuff, like a simple play call, like 
simply walking off the stage in the right direction. He, he's confused. He, he doesn't even know what to do. So Republicans, I just gave you the playbook. Now take it, go use it, and go win the Super Bowl. And now there's only one other person who I thought could shed even more light on this discussion. So let's go ahead and bring him in to add some extra flavor to this conversation. Okay, and now let's bring in a guy who has extensive knowledge of both sports and politics, host of Fox and Friends Weekend and also the Will Kane podcast, none other than Will Kane. Okay, Will, as you probably noticed, your Dallas Cowboys were not affiliated with any of the GOP candidates on our list. Maybe an error on our parts? I don't know. How could we leave off of America's team? You tell me. I don't know. I don't know how ever- do America's need team to, is Do they need to be aligned far. with a candidate here? Not the one you uh, gave to the New York Jets, but that you should have given to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a bit worried that it's Ron DeSantis. That you come out of the gates hot, strong, great reputation, track record of proven accomplishment. That's the first two games of the season. And then you fall apart after the battle begins to be waged. Now, look, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I, I am a roller coaster. I swing wildly. But I like <laughs> to think I settle in um, to some level of realism. And I think while Ron DeSantis' presidential hopes are infinitesimally small, I think the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl hopes are much, much higher. But I am worried that that Arizona Cardinals game reflected a deeper flaw in the Cowboys. And the only other hint that there ever would have been is that first drive of game one of the season against the New York Giants. And the Giants were moving, and they were moving by running the ball with Saquon Barkley. And I did wonder, wow, can we not stop the run? Well, we didn't have to for the rest of that game or the game against the New York Jets. But here come the Cardinals and James Conner and Josh Dobbs, and all of a sudden it's revealed the Cowboys can't stop the run. I can only hope that it's just um, a blip and not a reflection that this is a failed campaign like Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I would say, because he's had, he's had quite a few blips, if you will. So I, I pray for a better future for your Cowboys, because I'll just be honest, I like the Cowboys more than I do Ron DeSantis, so... We'll just we'll leave that. And way. if I might, I think that I don't think Donald Trump is is the Miami Dolphins. Now, maybe I'm slow. I'm slow to accept an inevitability, but I'm I'm slow to accept that the Miami Dolphins are this juggernaut that, yes, they are very good and they destroyed a Denver Broncos team. But there's a little bit of me that thinks, hey, a lot of hype, very good scheme has an answer for everything but I don't know that they have the legs to to take this all the way. And they remind me in that way, maybe of Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay. Okay. I like all the comparisons being made. Um, the, the, I would say though, of all the teams though, still undefeated yes. quarterback looking good, offensive weapons, looking elite, great coaching. I mean, the dolphins right now are the team. I would say that most people are talking about in a positive manner across the board. So when you look at the poll numbers for Donald Trump, it's kind of hard not to align those two. But listen, I want to get back to your Cowboys because you already talked about, you know, you being on a little bit of this up and down roller coaster ride. And this is something that being a Cowboys fan, you did kind of just have to learn to live with. What is it like being a Dallas Cowboys fan? How, how do you go to bed feeling at night? You know what? You should get a generational um, panel of Cowboys fans. And and you'd get what you would get is you would get 
the generation that came before me. And that is, we'll call that the golden generation. That's the generation that grew up with Roger Staubach and Tony Dorsett and truly what earned the name as America's team. Now, a lot of that generation left the Dallas Cowboys when Jerry Jones bought the team. They did not like the way he handled the firing of Tom Landry. So that, that fan, I think, has arrived at a level of, of dispassion and cynicism for the Cowboys. Then there's my generation. And my generation feels entitled to this birthright of dominance. So we grew up with stories of who the Cowboys were in the 70s. And then we suffered through the 80s and, and then dominated the 90s. And I remember that period in, of sports fandom. And for me, Charlie, it's only ever been replicated by the 2005 Texas Longhorns, where I never worried. I was only confident. When when it was fourth and 10, I knew Vince Young would get the first down. That's I a wasn't nice that worried. It's a rare feeling to have. Very and when rare. it was that way in the 90s, third and seven, I knew that Troy Aikman would throw it to Michael Irvin for a first down. And I knew the Cowboys would beat the Green Bay Packers. And I knew the Cowboys would punch the Buffalo Bills in the mouth. And I just knew that we were the best team on the field when we took the field. So that's still like, that still infuses my, who I am and how still I do the Cowboys. Keeps you going. Not only it keeps me going, it feels like down deep, that's who I am. That's who we are. That's, that's the nature of this franchise. But look, for 25 years now, the franchise has been defined instead by the jokes of Stephen A. Smith. It's been it's been defined by one and done in the playoffs. It's been defined by good, but ultimately some horrific end to the season, whether or not that's Tony Romo or Dak Prescott. So if you're that third generation that didn't get the 90s, I'd be very curious how you view the Cowboys. Probably like you, you're younger than me and you just view them as like you're signing up for this, this horrific heartbreak. Well, you know, it's interesting because I actually have my upbringing in my attachment to the Indianapolis Colts feels a little bit similar, right? Because when I was growing up, it was the Peyton Manning era. And so I latched onto this team where I felt so strongly, like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be a Colts fan. This feels amazing. Everybody's talking about us and I live right here. It's fantastic. You know, then came, you know, a, a bit of a drought, but then Andrew Luck came on board and I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. A resurgence. Let's go round two. And then, of course, since then, uh, now it just is very disheartening and I don't know how to feel. So uh, as far as the roller coaster ride, I'm on it right here with you. Uh, but I see you on different rides of your own in another sense, uh, because for the first game of the season, you actually had to watch it from a plane. Second uh, game of the yeah. season, you were at AT&T Stadium. Yes. And I actually I noticed how excited you were, but I also noticed your attire to the game, Will, because you strike me like you're dressed right now, very much like a t-shirt casual guy. And I noticed you were wearing a button-down shirt to the game. Like, well, it was a Western. It was a Western-style pearl did snap. Did you have boots on? No, I had shorts on. <laughs> I had a Western-style. It's, it's still hot in Texas. It's like 100 today. Um, it was a Western-style, you know, pearl snap button-down with shorts. I'm not a jersey guy. I, I, I will only, on a rare, rare occasion, wear a jersey i Why? think it's just, it's just too what is, what, what is it about jerseys that just you can't deal with them it, like you they i know they don't smell that great underneath because of the materials is that it no there there's something and i'm i'm open to having this debate and i honestly can say i don't judge harshly those that choose to wear a jersey but i find there's something emasculating about putting on another man's name and number that it's not I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't, I will do it 
in a rare occasion, I think I wore a Dak jersey during the playoffs last year. Um, and I don't know if I would put on it. I think I'd put on a Texas Longhorns jersey. Doubtful. I'll wear the gear. I'll wear a star shirt. Yes, I'll wear a Longhorn shirt. But a jersey. man's name on your back. A and jersey honestly, is another. It's a bridge too far for me. It's like, okay, man, you're not on the team. Yeah. I, I got to say, I respect this. I respect this answer. Uh, and I also respect the fact that you have a bit of a judgmental fashion sense because I also <laughs> recall your comment that you made earlier this week uh, in the case of John Fetterman. Uh, oh. You know, and uh, exactly. Oh, is a great response to that. Uh, I love the quote from you saying, Fetterman goes home from a hard day's work at the Senate and puts on what? And that's a great question. Will, what does? John Fetterman put on because he already looks like a slob. And usually it's when I get home that I, I, I go into slob mode. So what, you know, what's the downgrade when you already look like that going to work? How, how much lower can you go? Exactly. What do you take off if that's what you wear for formal wear? You put on a, you put on a, um, are we allowed to call them wife beaters? I don't even know what they're called. I don't know. Is there another name, a tank top undershirt? I don't know what, but if everyone knows what I'm talking about, and I would even challenge you to say, to give me an alternative name to that, to that piece of clothing. That's the only thing I can think of that John Fetterman. A stain and it's stained for sure. Like it's not not freshly white. It's not fresh out of the package. It's definitely stretched out, has some pit stains, like maybe a little dribble on the front of the shirt. Like that's, that's what's happening. Did you see the New York Post guy that went restaurant to restaurant in New York City trying to wear what John Fetterman wears to see if he could get a table at fancy restaurants? He, he could not. Here's what's funny about that. He was wearing a hoodie and, and shorts, basketball shorts, but he looked more put together than Fetterman. And it's because he made one, one mistake, one flaw. He picked a hoodie and basketball shorts that were his size. Ah. Incredibly, incredibly, Fetterman... I don't even know. He looks like he's probably 6'5", 320. I don't know what he actually is. He's buying clothes that are too big. Like his basketball shorts are a size or two larger than he actually is hanging below the knee. His hoodie is stretched out and he's stuffed stuff into the pockets up front, like his keys and his phone. So it's it's bulging out with that point around the belly. He somehow has made even that sloppy. That which is inherently sloppy, he made more sloppy. Uh, I know that, you know, you have a lot going on, you know, on your mind this week, uh, obviously the Cowboys <laughs> and the Patriots this upcoming yeah. weekend, but also uh, tonight are the second round of the Republican debates. So this is a two-part question. Who are you sending to the Super Bowl politically, AKA the 2024 election? And who, even though we're only in week three, are you sending to the actual Super Bowl? Okay, well, l- let me give you the, truth bomb and then and then maybe the more interesting answer because the truth bomb has become obvious it's donald trump that you're sending to the super bowl um at least as the republican representative and i and i do believe that there's a path a realistic path this is what you'll often hear from people well can donald trump win a general election and i and i think the answer is yes i do believe that the answer is yes for donald trump to win a general election against joe biden or gavin newsom or michelle obama um but that's not as interesting because i think that's becoming obvious I think that's becoming obvious. So for the debates tonight, you know, I I so I think Vivek owned the first debate, Um, but he was very divisive, apparently polarizing. I think a lot of women didn't like the way Vivek was combative. I I think that Ron DeSantis has to find a way to be more of the Ron DeSantis that we saw in like the COVID press conferences 
He could be pugilistic. He could be confrontational, but he's got to find a way to do that in a charming and, um, you know, attractive manner. And I think that he didn't pull that off in the first one. So I'd love to see tonight amongst those contestants, um, Ron DeSantis find his groove on that stage. As for the real Super Bowl, I still think, again, I'm going to reserve judgment on the Miami Dolphins for a little bit longer. Okay. So if to bring this full circle, I still think the Kansas City Chiefs are Donald Trump. I think they are weak on, they show vulnerabilities on defense, and I think they show vulnerabilities in their offensive weaponry. But they still have Patrick Mahomes, and they have the track record of success. And so they are Donald Trump. I have not given up on the Dallas Cowboys. It's the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles. I don't think the Cowboys are as bad as what we saw last week. Maybe they're not as good as we saw 40 to nothing against the Giants either, but they're somewhere in between there. And Trayvon Diggs going out for the season doesn't take away that I think the Cowboys are still the team to beat in the NFC. Okay, I like the answers all around. I am not going to argue one bit because... I, 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 for you, I, for you want some good things for the Cowboys this season, uh, because I, I already know I'm not going to have nice things with the cold. So I might as well, uh, send all of my good energy to you at this point. So will. Yes. Thank you so much. You're the thank best. You, Charlie. And, thank uh, you. we'll see you soon. Okay. It was fun. Thank you. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I will tell you, someone on the production team for the show shamed me for giving Will my allegiance to his Cowboys, even in the smallest sense, because, you know, a lot, a lot of fans just say you can't support the Cowboys in any way, shape, or form. But you know what? I like Will. I can't have anything going pretty solidly with the Colts this season. Might as well give him, like, a little something to latch on to to hope for. Anyways, that was fun. Uh, and also, we're coaching up some other uh, topics this morning, we've got a little bit more on the platter, so let's stick with the gridiron. Uh, but this is a little bit of a, a, a different sense, if you will, uh, because Taylor Swift, uh, she's the name we can't stop talking about. She is all over the news. No one cares about what's going on in the football field right now. All they want to talk about is Taylor Swift, and now she has seemingly become a huge NFL fan. Okay, and she, because of that, has a lot of pull in Kansas City these days. She's clearing out entire restaurants. I don't know if you saw that. She went into a restaurant after the game the other night. She asked the owner of the restaurant to clear out the entire place. She paid for everybody's bills. And suddenly, it was just her and Travis Kelsey's private haven, uh, something I probably will never experience in my life, but pretty cool. Uh, she's also the subject of Patrick Mahomes' post-game interviews, also something Mahomes probably isn't used to talking about after pulling off a massive victory. But now, also, there was a group who was imploring her to put her power to good use to fight racism in the Chiefs' kingdom. So racism, as they're defining it, is 
this motion. You might have seen this before. This is the tomahawk chop, which apparently, according to Rhonda Lovato, she's the founder of the Native American group called Not In Our Honor, she's saying this is a form of synchronized racism. Are they just going to keep making new terms like synchronized racism, non-synchronized racism? I've never heard that in my life, but it seems to me that when fans are doing this, by the way, I'm not racist, so don't get that impression, uh, fans are just cheering on their team and have zero negative thoughts in mind while making the motion. Anyway, she said that she remains hopeful that someone like Taylor could be an ally for the group in this conversation moving forward. Uh, but Taylor, as we have already talked about, she's quickly turned Casey fans into Swifties. But all this being said, I have to imagine if she brings any of this activism garbage into the fold, they're not going to hesitate to turn on her. And it's going to happen real quick. Maybe even next time. We showed you this video yesterday. They could even, if she decides to go in this route, they might, might even push that incognito popcorn card in that she's being transported from uh, over. I don't know. Maybe they just have a huge revolt. Uh, Taylor, I would advise you not to go in this direction uh, because it seems your boyfriend already is. Uh, we have just gotten wind that he's now doing Bud Light ads. He's taking part in Pfizer ads. And at this rate, the Tomahawk Chop Veto could be next on his plate, making for a pretty progressive trifecta for the tight end. But seriously, I, this type of activism just needs to stop because we look at what recently just happened with the commanders. Remember all that bitching and all that moaning to get rid of their original moniker, the Redskins, only to find out after the fact, after they switched names, turned the entire franchise in a different direction, that that change was being funded by George Soros and groups of that same nature. And now the Native Americans, the ones that we were led on to believe were the ones that were infuriated infuriated from the beginning, now they're fighting to have the original name of Redskins being brought back. So it leads me to one conclusion. Just leave the activism out of sports. We don't need it. No one wants it. We're all here just to have a good time. Uh, and it's not just KC, but also the entire NFL is fangirling over Taylor Swift. Listen, this is what the NFL put up on their official Instagram page. Their bio now says NFL, Taylor's version. I mean, that's a bold statement to really now just completely bow down to Taylor Swift. But I guess that's what she does. She made billions of dollars off of her Eras tour. And I have also heard helped to pull our country uh, a little bit out of the recession that it's in. So, okay, good for you, Taylor. Also, the NFL Network saying week three was beyond our wildest dreams. That would be in allusion to one of her songs, as you know. And then there's the Travis Kelsey jerseys, which no one, I don't think, was that excited about before. They have now spiked 400% since the couple was introduced. So where does it stop? I know Usher was already announced, but could Taylor also potentially perform at the Super Bowl if the Chiefs make it? Also, what happens if Travis and Taylor break up midseason? Will all the Swifties turn on the Chiefs? This could get very messy, but... I'm here for the drama. So let's see how all this unfolds. Now, as far as drama also goes, the Chandler Jones saga is continuing. Remember last week, the NFL star went on an unhinged social media rant, accusing Raiders owner Mark Davis of protecting the identity of someone who was molesting Jones's goddaughter? Ugh, yeah, those were really cringy and, and very serious claims when he made them at the time. But now, none of those rumors have even been addressed. But it gets worse because now the defensive end has posted a series of his writings detailing how he was taken against his will and committed to a mental health facility last week by the Las Vegas Fire Department. 
He said he was injected against his will and forced to sleep on the floor. Uh, he went on to say that the Raiders put Jones on the football. Oh, he went on to say this. We have, we, I think we have the uh, tweet on our screen here. Uh, yeah. He had, he, okay, he went on an unhinged rant. Let's see if I have it here in my script so I can read it to you. Uh, here's Here it is. He went on to say, I answered my front door and a group of five to seven were there to put me in an ambulance where I was later injected and I asked them not to. I had no cell or communication. I was taken to Southern Hills Hospital and then transported to Seven Hills where they tried to force me to take meds and injections. This is pretty scary stuff. Uh, but also seems like something that would be really bizarre to go on a rant about if your prior claims already were, were going unvalidated. Uh, I don't really know what's going on for Chandler Jones, but I know that it's not a good look for him. I know it's not a good look for the rest of his family, which, if you're not aware, also includes UFC champion John Jones, also one of his other brothers, former NFL star Art Jones. And really, it's just not a good look for the franchise in general. And it makes you wonder what's up with the Raiders, because they can't seem to keep their names out of the headlines for all of the wrong reasons. There's always drama surrounding this team ever since they went to Las Vegas. There was the John Gruden emails from a few years back. There was the horrific car accident with Henry Rugg III. There was the Damon Arnett off-the-field drama. And now there's this stuff going on with Chandler Jones. Is there something in the water in Las Vegas? Seemingly, I would say so. Now, this next story, I cannot show you video for, which is sad because it really paints the picture uh, and better describes it much better than I ever could. But let me do my best. So Jackson State football decided to use a woman soccer player to fill in as a kicker for their week four game versus Bethune-Cookman. And she was, well, just to put it very lightly, flat out terrible. Her kick looked much more like an onside kick, but it was not one. And she was wearing a knee brace on her kicking leg, which also doesn't make any sense. So it begs the question, why would Jackson State use her in this position, even as a replacement in the first place? Is it just their intention to virtue signal? Or is it the fact that Jackson State possibly is just so desperate and depleted of any type of athletic talent that they were forced to use this poor girl and in turn embarrass her? I mean, they could have even turned to the water boy. You saw how that went with Adam Sandler. It went swimmingly. That was a water pun. I didn't intend to make it, but there you go. Uh, making matters worse, ESPNW then did what they do best. And uh, they decided to be the ones to virtue signal. They posted the video of her kicking, saying, quote, we love to see it. Love to see what, though? It's a female failing miserably. And then they only made matters worse by publicizing her unathleticism. Because here's what I know. If I was this kicker, I would, I would want nobody to see what happened. And I don't think that so many people are tuning in live to the Jackson State game or going back after the fact to watch any of the highlights, though I don't even think this would have been included in the highlights, but I know that I probably would have asked everybody, please never speak of this kick again. Act like you never saw it. If you have photos, if you have videos, please delete promptly, and let's just act like it never happened. Because I am all for praising women when it counts and stands for something, but this, not worthy of being shared, uh, and judging by the comment section under ESPNW's posting of this video, uh, it seems like everybody else agrees with what I'm saying. So, okay, on to the final story of today's show. And this is about as bizarre as it gets. 
because we are experiencing a brand new phenomenon, and that is the fact uh, that there is something going on with the men of this generation that they are extremely lonely. We are experiencing uh, something that is entirely cringeworthy. And hear me out here. If you haven't already heard about it, uh, this is about as bad as it gets. As each day goes by, there are more and more people dating. Seems like a good thing, right? Uh, except that it's not like you think. Uh, and women, you might need to work a little harder because be warned, there is some stiff competition out there. Artificial intelligence girlfriends are, they're on the rise. Yeah, apps have created virtual girlfriends that talk to you. They love you. They will, you know what I'm saying, with you, uh, through the computer, of course. Uh, but in turn, they will become literally the perfect companion. So here's how it's going to work. There are apps which use data to track what a user likes and doesn't like. And then after the girl's interactions, they use tactics to please the obviously paying user. So yeah, this does not come for free. You are paying for this type of love you're getting for the internet. But I guess if you're into this kind of thing, it does get better because if you are looking for the perfect companion, you can pick all of the physical attributes that this girl possesses, her body type, even the size just of all the details. You can choose her butt size, her boob size, her waist side, her hair color, her eye color, the, the form of her lips, everything. And also you can pick all of her personality traits. If you're shaking your head, asking yourself, because even though this seems pretty great, right? You form the perfect girlfriend, it's still not real life. So you're asking yourself, who would use this type of thing? Well, the numbers don't lie because it shows that men's loneliness is actually getting worse and worse as time goes on. There are 60% of men in a certain age group, starting at age 18 to 34, that are single these days. Uh, there's only 30% of women in that same demographic that are single. Uh, it's also showing that one in five men say they don't even have a single close friend. One in five men at this point in time don't have a single close friend. And that the numbers of social engagement that people are spending per month with friends, only 20 hours. And when you think about that, that's less than one full day each month that people are spending with their friends. So what are people doing all the time? And why are they having to turn to artificial girlfriends? I think it's because people are spending way too much time on their phones. People have lost all sense of communication skills. Uh, they have lost the ability to flirt and bond with the opposite sex and clearly lost the ability to bond with the same sex as well, because like I just mentioned, people don't even have close friends anymore. So what do we do about this? I don't know, it feels like we're just going down this destructive path where things are getting worse and worse by the day. I don't see correcting itself unless it's forced to, but that would mean I believe social media has to start disappearing from our everyday lives. And from the looks of it, judging by these apps, for example, it looks like we're only getting more and more bogged down by all of these internet and artificial intelligence type of projects. Uh, so guys, if you're out there listening, even women too, because I actually have already done my research and I found that I can also get an artificial boyfriend on the internet if I, if I want to do so. So everyone listening out there, please do me a favor. I know you're watching this on the internet and that's fantastic. And this is really one of the only things you should be doing on the internet during the course of your day if you can help it. Get off your phone, get off your computer, go outside, touch some grass, and talk to someone. A stranger, approach a stranger today. This is, this is your task, approach a stranger today and, and simply say hello, start a simple conversation, and, and maybe do one of 
of your same sex and one of the opposite sex, see how it goes. And then uh, from there, we're just going to keep it going. Maybe tomorrow it's two, the following day it's three. Uh, anyways, our social skills need to experience an upturn. Otherwise, I fear for the society. I fear everyone is going to start online dating in the artificial intelligence manner. Uh, and then we're just doomed for good. There will no longer be babies being born. And uh, I think we are all just going to be communicating exclusively through our phones and other technological methods. So, guys, I leave you with that. Uh, <laughs> Things just get crazier and crazier by the day. Uh, but I'm so happy you were here with me. Please, let's do it again tomorrow. We've got a great guest on deck, and we've got great topics in store for you. And I just want you to know that I am going to be undergoing a little project of my own on the same path of that subject that I just talked about with you. Uh, we won't get into any more details right now, though, because that's all the time we have. But please hit that subscribe button. Also, hit the like button, leave a comment, let's get the discussion going, and let me know what you think about all the things that we covered today. Uh, and then on that note, we will say goodbye and see you tomorrow right here on Outkick The Morning. Have a great day. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet.